Hello, everyone. It's time once again for Catalog and Cocktails, your honest, no BS, non-salesy conversation about enterprise data management with tasty beverages in hand. I'm Tim Gasper, longtime data nerd, product guy, and customer guy at Data.World, joined by Juan Cicada, principal scientist and head of our AI lab. We've been on the road the last couple of weeks. Uh, last week, we were at Big Data London at the Olympia, Wednesday and Thursday, September 20th through 21st. I'm going to be providing you a quick update about some of the key themes that happened there. And Juan Cicada is actually on site right now at the AI conference over in California, and he's going to be providing you an update of what he's seeing on the ground there and interviews that he's talking with people about what they're seeing in the field of AI, what they're seeing from a technology standpoint, a case study standpoint. So stay tuned to just a few minutes here to hear from Juan talking to the various folks at the AI conference. So first of all, just to kick us off, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the Big Data London conference, uh, which we both attended. Uh, and the big theme there, not surprisingly, was AI, AI, AI. Um, whether it was Snowflake, Microsoft, uh, Gong, uh, Coca-Cola, you know, so on and so forth, um, all the organizations, vendors uh, and companies alike were talking about the, the big impacts of generative AI, the disruption that's happening in every field, every technology, um, and that trend continued at Big Data London as probably about 50% of the talks had AI uh, something to do with, right? And as you walked to the vendor floor, you could look around and see people's headlines and things, their taglines, you know, augmented analytics, AI, these things were showing up on probably at least 40% uh, of different boards um, uh, as you walked the stalls. Um, and everyone's excited for good reason. There's a lot of really great innovation happening, a lot of creativity a lot of productivity, a lot of scalability that's coming from using generative AI in products and in the daily work. And there was an obvious theme across all the different talks that you go to saying that, like, you know, obviously be cautious about some of the security and privacy challenges around generative AI, but the impact is undeniably uh, strong. And um, you know, those who are uh, not, you know, those who are working uh, in, in the field aren't going to get replaced by AI. Uh, you're going to get replaced by people who are using AI. So get out there, use AI, become comfortable with the technology. I think one of my favorite quotes actually comes from the Thursday morning uh, keynote panel where Di Mays, the global head of data and AI at WPP, mentioned that uh, in order to achieve AI, it's really critical to have your underlying data foundation right. So metadata management, data governance, context, um, that was really key to them. And that was something that the entire panel really agreed with. So uh, get your data house in order if you want to take advantage of AI. Other key themes at the conference, business value. Really happy to see that because when we get really excited about AI, I often think back to the big data craze of about 10 years ago and how much we just got so obsessed with the technology, we really lost touch with the business value piece. A lot around case studies, business value, cybersecurity, also a very important topic, especially with this new lens of how do we protect ourselves from new AI agents and AI threats. Also, how do we use AI in order to make security better? So for example, uh, there was a talk enabling data innovation with a data security platform from Satori and, and, uh, and actually the director of product security over at Gong that I thought was particularly good. Um, cost savings was a theme. FinOps, CloudOps, performance management. How do we optimize our data warehouses, right? Folks are starting to really go all in on Snowflake and Databricks. And for good reasons, they're worried about the cost they're spending on these technologies. Also, as folks are starting to experiment with training their own AI models and things like that, they're a little worried about that too. How much are we going to spend on GPUs and things like that?
that. That stuff isn't cheap. It's a little cheaper when you're experimenting and you can do things on demand, but if you want to train something in an ongoing fashion uh, or do inference in an ongoing fashion, then that can get quite a bit more expensive. So those are interesting things to think about from a cost-saving standpoint. Real-time and streaming continue to be themes, whether you're looking at things like Kafka or, 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 or StreamSet or some of the other technologies around streaming technology. Obviously, um, uh, a lot of really great players there. Um, and then uh, also... Um, uh, really, uh, I, I think one final thing I want to mention is uh, data mesh was definitely the biggest theme of Big Data London last year. And I think we saw a much more muted approach to data mesh this year. You still heard it mentioned uh, often positively, sometimes a little backhandedly. Uh, but I think really the data mesh um, uh, craze has settled down. And uh, the conversation is much more shifted now towards data products. How do we create really good data and analytics? products in our organizations? How do we uh, apply data product management and the best practices of product management to make better products, to focus the surface area of what we're doing around data? So a lot of good talks uh, around that. So that's my summary of Big Data London. Really fantastic event. Juan and I were really happy to be there. And thank you to all the folks that we got to hang out with. If you missed our episode last week, we talked with Chris Tab uh, from uh, LEIT Data. He is a maven in the data community over in the London, UK area. So definitely check out that episode. Connect with Chris. And now I'm going to pass it over to Juan, who is on site over at the AI conference to talk about what's going on there and all his exciting interviews. So Juan. Over to you. I'm here with Peter Norvig. Peter, your honest, no BS take uh, to the data world, or to the AI data world. What is it? We're at a really exciting time right now. Things are happening quickly, and things that you couldn't do a month ago uh, now work. Uh, I guess I would advise everybody to be careful and say, let's use these tools responsibly, and let's think about in any application, who are all the stakeholders? Are we treating them fairly? Is the data we're getting representative of them? And try to build your systems responsibly and take advantage of this great technology we have now. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic point because what happens is that we just focus so much on the data technology and we forget about the people who were creating all these tools for humans, like, yeah. we've got to make sure they're in there. Yeah, that, that's what we're making it for, so uh, let's let's think about it. All right, thank you very much. Thank you. Hi, this is Nazneen Rajani. I'm the research lead at Hugging Face. Um, my take on data is that for supervised fine-tuning, data quality is key, so deduplication filtering, definitely extremely important. But one thing that we noticed, uh, along with like you know Meta's finding on less is more for alignment, we also found that long is more for alignment in the sense you could like you know fine tune your model on a very small number of prompts, but that are really really long, and you could get the same level of performance if you did it on like 10x the data, but much shorter prompts. Awesome, thank you. So hi, my name is Fabiana Clementi, and my uh, no BS take on AI is definitely how much we overlook sometimes the, the context of the data, the importance of the data, and also what do you want to achieve for the business. So we jump into building a model, and sometimes we don't even understand the basics around the context of what we want to build. And that's, that's for me, the, the no BS take on the development of AI. I completely agree, because one of the things is that we forget that we're doing this for 
to solve a problem. Yeah. Yeah. What is that problem? To solve Why a real problem. Yeah. Right? And then we're just doing this all, just getting fun for the model and all the tech stuff, but let's yeah. not forget about the end users. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And well, we have just spoken about the trouble of nulls, and that's a, a, a very interesting case of exactly that, forgetting that uh, data has a background and has a context. So. Context, love it. Thank you. Hi, I'm Danny Bigston, CEO of Visual Layer, and uh, I can summarize my philosophy in uh, two sentences. Uh, everything is uh, around data. What we do, we manage uh, visual data, and the current problems, people don't treat uh, quality as important enough, so they jump immediately to the stable diffusions and all the cool things they can do with the data, but no one ever cleans the data, curates it, see what's inside. Once they miss this crucial step, uh, they get uh, very poor models. The work on the models is 10 times uh, longer. And uh, that's um, a bit of a missing piece, uh, I believe, that needs to be more uh, carefully considered. One of the things that we were talking about that we really connected here was on metadata and context. So what is your take on metadata and context right now? Oh, that, that's really critical. So we only deal with visual data, but visual data is not coming alone. You have a lot of metadata, like where the image was taken, who took it, uh, uh, like there are annotations, there are captions, there are bounding boxes. A lot of uh, unstructured information is coming with the, meta, uh, with the visual uh, information, and if you ignore it, you're pretty much in a problem. So you have to take both the visual data and then compare, for example, the captioning and annotation and bounding box uh, to the visual context and uh, only as a whole you can treat it as uh, one piece of information and see whether it makes sense or not. Thank you. Hey, my name is Gev Sogomonian, um, co-founder at Aimstack. Um, so I've been chatting with Juan about no BS take over right, on the so world. What, what's your honest no BS take that you want to send to the data and AI world? Well, I think, I think in general, building software has gone awful lot more complex than it used to be. So in order to make sense of things, you need to pretty much track everything that moves in your software nowadays. It's not the same software anymore. You know, software 2.0 or whatever, uh, layered models, a bunch of models connected, agents and all these things. You have to track them. You have to log everything that moves. Yeah, so that would be my no BS um, so, but you really have to log everything? Everything. Everything that moves. Not everything, but everything that moves. Yeah, you have been logging code that moves, right? You have been logging some of the tracebacks that sort of moves. But if you, add the, if you add the AI into your software, then a lot of other things that move emerge as a result of that. Yeah, so one of the interesting conversations here is like the parallel that we're seeing between software systems, AI systems, data systems, all this notion of logging, like it's the, the, it's the same thing, essentially, right? Uh, yeah, but I think once, but the, fundamentally AI is non-deterministic, right? Which means in order to know whether your system works, uh, you know. That's a good point. The, the non-deterministic of because generative your, your AI makes you of, want to log more. Your source of truth is not the code anymore. So you don't need to, it's not just about, you know, just tracking and seeing what, you know, when, when the software breaks, you need to proactively think about it because it's not deterministic. If it, if it works now, it does not guarantee that that's it's an going to work. That's an excellent point. That's a good one. I like that. All right. Thank Cheers. you. Thanks. Thanks for your time. Yeah, hi, my name is Yujin Tang. My honest no BS take about AI data is 
we have to remember that all of these advanced AI large language models are just advanced stochastic concepts, advanced statistical methods. There's no magic. All they're doing is taking some data and finding patterns. And so you want to be very, very careful about the quality of your data. And then uh, you were, before we started recording this, you were telling me something about vector databases. Yes. Give me your honest, uh, no BS, non-salesy take on vector databases. All right, I hope that no one gets mad at me about this, but there are only five vector databases out there right now. One is Milvis by Zillis, one is Pinecone, one is Chroma, one is uh, Weaviate, and one is Quadrant. And uh, all the other ones, Elasticsearch, Rockset, MyScale, uh, single store. What they're doing is they're providing a vector search on top of a regular database. They're not a true vector database. Okay, so following on this, so what? If the end goal is for users to be able to just have that search, why do I need to be so pedantic on it? This has to be a vector database, like why? That's a very good question. And actually you don't. What, really, what you really need is you really need to have something that performs at scale, at the scale that you need. And that is going to d differ depending on what the scale you need is. I can only speak about Milvis in this sense, but Milvis has a real re like visible performance uh, increase, I guess, over others. Once you hit like maybe 100,000 to a million, you start seeing this real performance drop off in not just data ingestion or querying, but also like the entire like you know, throughput, queries per second, queries per dollar, all of these different statistics. So is, is the argument that if you're trying to go do search but want to do at scale, then you really need to have a, 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 a vector database, not just a vector search on top of another database? Yes, that's true, okay. yes. All right, yeah, fair yeah, point. Yeah. Great, thanks. Yeah, thank you. All right. Hi, I'm Patrick McFadden. I work at Datastax. I'm an Apache Cassandra committer. What's my no BS take? Oh God, Juan, this is going to be good. My no BS take is on this whole thing around vector databases that are just a vector database. Dude, it's a feature. It's a feature. And so many companies are trying to build a database around a feature. That's so hard. And it's just not a differentiated thing anymore. Every database that is a database just added one thing, vector. And so if you look around and you're like, oh, I'm using database X. I bet you if you look really hard, it's probably supporting Vector now. And if it isn't, they just announced it. So, yeah, I mean, that's my hot take, you know, and I really feel bad for the Vector databases that are out there because the ones that are just pure play Vector because they're going to try to become a database and they have to make up all that ground. Th th 30 years of, <laughs> of baggage of stuff that they can come up with. Uh, this is a good point. I think we see this in so many other places too, like in MySpace and the metadata oh. data space is like all these features end up being their own categories and then it's just complicating everybody's lives. I'm like, I gotta go, I gotta buy this other tool, look at, procure all this other stuff. So yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, and, it, and it's like file systems. You know, file systems, you don't trust a file system until it's been in production for a long time. You know, that was like ButterFS. No one used Butter until it had like five or six years in production because you don't want, because you don't want to lose a bit. Well, same with databases. Like, you don't buy a database because it loses data unless you use Mongo. Mon people that use Mongo don't seem to care that it loses data, but that's their problem, right? <laughs> I got two hot takes out of that. All right, two hot takes. All right. Love it. Thank you. All right. Hi, I'm Ofer. I had developer relations with Victara. My take-home message for the world as of today here at the wonderful AI conference is um, related to my talk today, actually. Uh, we launched a new embedding model called Boomerang. And I think that embedding models didn't, weren't the focus for a long time 
uh, everybody focused on GPT and Anthropic and actually the bigger language models. I think embedding models are going to start flourishing, become important. I heard for the two days, rag, rag, rag everywhere. Uh, of course, that's part of what we do. But I think the key to that is getting the best embedding models to making them better. And I think the community, both industry and acad academia, we'll start working on that and make all of our lives much better. Uh, that's, I totally agree with you. I think every, I come from the data space and I always hear about, yeah, is it this language model, this one, but we're never hearing about the embeddings and now we hear about RAG and I think this is something that uh, we really look forward to learning more. So actually love your talk and looking forward to having you on our podcast too. All right, thank you. Looking forward to it as well. And that's it for this episode of Catalonia Cocktails. It has been a last uh, a lot in the last couple of weeks. And next week we're going to be back with a guest, uh, John Cook. If you have been following him on LinkedIn, uh, you're going to see how he's all about right now data products and including now generative AI and large language models and business value. So we're going to be able to kind of bring everything together, data, AI, and business value. And that's next week at Catalan Cocktails. Uh, cheers, everyone. Talk to you all soon.